Let's consider that one thing you love most that you want most in your life right now. And for most of us, that's sport, that's fitness, that's some goal that we're working towards. And I love that. It gives it life purpose. But my question to you is this, and we're going to talk about this today. How long are you willing to work at it? How long to get to the highest level of mastery? Five years, 10 years, 20 years? That's perseverance. And I'm speaking with Katie Ulander, 20 years as an Olympian representing the United States in the skeleton race. She fell upon the sport at 18 years old. She's still in it at 37 years old. And she is a tour de force, shares her journey, the road less traveled, and what she's learned along the way. You are listening to the Mindset Forge podcast. I'm Barton Bryan, your host. We are interviewing athletes and performing artists on absolutely how we show up big for the moments that matter most. And of course, we all have that passion, that thing we're working towards, the reason why we're listening and why we want to get 1% better each and every week. What's the skeleton race, you might ask? Let's hear Katie talk about it. You basically go down an icy tube, laying on a cookie sheet head first. It's a combination of pure athletics for the start, which is where you sprint, bent over, pushing a heavy 70-pound cookie sheet. <laughs> and then it's relaxed chaos. Katie started in the sport as a badass 18-year-old. And she's had a fearless attitude on taking on this sport and has learned a ton in the last 20 years developing her mindset around being a competitor at the highest level. Now, I want to make sure you're thinking about your sport and the perseverance that you need to have to level up 1% each and every week by just thinking about, hey, what can I do now? What can I add in there to make myself a little bit tougher, a little bit more like Katie, so that I can achieve a higher level of performance? So without further ado, Katie Ulander. You have been in five Olympic Games in the skeleton race. Um, I'm just blown away by the almost 20 years of being an Olympic athlete, the training the mindset, the perseverance that you've had to go through in order to do that. Can you talk about that perseverance? I think perseverance is something I learned from my father in him being a major league baseball player during the era of you know, the first strike. Uh, so they had their, their struggles as well. It, during that time, uh, they didn't get paid as much. So they did it purely for the love of sport. And I think that was something my dad instilled in me was searching for that passion and understanding that when you love something and you enjoy it and you want to pursue it, that that's what you do. So he was like, do it right or don't do it at all. And that was like a challenge to quit, which I already knew quitting wasn't an option. So I think perseverance really stems from the desire to do my best. And that includes failure. So one of the things that I try to instill in the younger athletes or people pursuing their dreams is that it's not going to be perfect. And you're going to fail. You're going to have mistakes. But if you can evaluate that part of the journey and distinguish where you made mistakes and then realize that you can make a plan to get better, that's really what makes it so addicting is realizing your capabilities. Like if you're capable of improving, that feels good. And I think that's why sport is so addicting and so inspiring is when you see people get up and try again and do better. And that's the journey. That's why I keep doing it. It's inspirational to see those around me doing that. And it's inspirational to know that there are more possibilities out there than I'm aware of. And skeleton is not a college sport. So how did you find out about it? And give the listener kind of an overview of what the skeleton is and what makes it unique. So skeleton is like luge. Uh, it goes down the bobsled track. So everybody knows cool runnings, basically. Uh, 
unless that's dating me because I'm 37. <laughs> um, but you basically go down an icy tube laying on a cookie sheet head first. Uh, and it's a combination of pure athletics for the start, which is where you sprint bent over pushing a heavy 70 pound cookie sheet. <laughs> and then it's relaxed chaos. You basically attempt to find momentum um, and build speed down the track. I got into it because I ran into a girl that was lifting weights and I was just out of high school and she was strong and I wanted to race her because I, I was like, I'm pretty sure if you squat a lot, you can run fast. So I walked up to her and I was like, Hey, do you sprint? And she's like, yeah. And this chick was tattooed. She had a shaved head, piercings everywhere. And she goes, yeah, I sprint. I was like, do you want to race? And without hesitation, she turned to me and goes, who the fuck are you? And I was like, oh, hey, I'm Katie. Like, it just, you look fast. And I thought it'd be fun. Like, didn't miss a beat, wasn't intimidated. Because I, I knew she was an athlete. And I think that's something that brings us all together. And she started laughing. And she goes, you're fucking crazy. And I was like, well, yeah, but like, do you want to race? <laughs> and um, she turned out to be a bobsledder. And she talked me into trying skeleton. I went out and tried and my third week I was junior national champion. My fourth week I went to junior worlds and got seventh. Uh, I won senior nationals and they basically asked me, do you want to go to the Olympics? Um, and I had to choose between that and college. I, I thought at the time, cause they told me if I made the Olympic team, I could get a scholarship for school. So that was my plan. Um, but by the time I went to get the scholarship, it didn't exist anymore. Um, and I was winning world cups. So I just continued racing and you know, Five Olympics later, here we are. <laughs> so really, you kind of fell into this sport. And what were some of the natural skill set or just athleticism you had at that point that really lend itself to the race? Uh, I would say I'm a power athlete. Uh, I've also competed in track cycling, 2018 uh, team track cycling champion, which is all power. And then I've competed in Olympic trials for Olympic weightlifting. Uh, so I think like, I'm in the top 20%, I think, in terms of power and strength. And then I have a knack for speed. Those two things are, are key. Understanding kinesthetics, your body, how to build momentum. I'm getting older now, so there are a lot more fast starters on the circuit. The sport is growing and changing. I've been in the last five Olympics, and there were only six available because my sport returned in 2002. Wow. Okay. So, and, and I understand the start. I mean, you got push off the blocks, you're sprinting, and then you throw yourself onto this cookie sheet. I love that metaphor. And then it's the, there's a subtlety. There must be like, I mean, cause you've probably done what, 50,000 runs in your life. I mean, I can only no imagine. No way to know. You, yeah. Yeah. What's that little magic of when you're on the actual skeleton, like finding that momentum, creating that extra speed? Like, what do you, feeling for or looking for or doing in those moments um using the force <laughs> mindset lesson use the force yes what does that mean tell us what that means uh i mean speed something hard to explain you generate it it's basically velocity plus plus weight equals momentum so you start out as fast as possible, which in physics is going to give you, the, you're going to get to top speed quicker and then you try to maintain it. And if you can make yourself as heavy as possible, uh, you'll gain more speed. So that's by gaining weight, you know, staying within the weight limit. And then uh, if you're relaxed, you tend to be more dense. So if you've ever tried to pick up someone that is unconscious or intentionally not flexing their muscles, it's they're heavier. Whereas if you're tense and you're flexing your muscles, you're going to be lighter. 
So being relaxed is really key in creating momentum. To use the Star Wars metaphor, like when Obi-Wan is saying, use the force, Luke, it's, you have to relax your body. You've got to feel it. And you've got to be as kind of dense as you can possibly be. So yeah, but you also have to apply tension. So the mm -hmm. moments that you choose to flex a muscle or manipulate the sled have to be very precise to, to be fast. Yeah. In the five Olympics, you've you know, placed various positions, but in Sochi, you place fourth, a four hundredth of a second behind the bronze. Over four heats, yeah. So you, you miss it by you know, four one hundredths of a second. And then that athlete turns out to be one of the you know, Russian athletes who is involved in the doping scandal and all that. Talk about being that close to a medal, because medals mean obviously a lot, and people, it, it's some kind of validation on some level. You have put your entire life to a sport that very few people even think about until the Olympics come around. And to yeah. be that close to a medal, talk about just that experience for you. Well, I was very proud of my performance. I had come off of a concussion. Uh, I had uh, no soft tissue in my left hip. So I was just doing my absolute best. I had just come from the Carrick Brain Centers where I participated in concussion treatment with a bunch of combat veterans, one of them being Marcus Luttrell and Governor Perry was there from Texas. And I remember we all stayed in the same hotel. It was two weeks of treatment. And I was beating myself up again because I was like, man, I'm injured. This is my third Olympics. And like I went from winning overall World Cups and medals to like now I can barely see. And I was so defeated and beating myself up. And then I was like, so what are you guys here for? And then they're like, oh, yeah, we were blown up. Like Marcus fell from a cliff and crawled seven miles to survive. And I'm like, oh. And they're like, yeah, and we're going back into combat. And I was just like, well, that that puts things in perspective. <laughs> I'm like, if these guys can get blown up and they're not complaining, they're doing what they can and they're going back into battle to fight for our country. I can definitely do this brain treatment and take my damaged ass to the line in Russia and, and do my best for America. So I went into that race invigorated and inspired by our combat veterans to do my best because if they could fight for us having been through all of that i could definitely fight to win a medal for america i was very proud of my performance and i did my absolute best um yeah i mean at the time i had no idea there was a doping scandal <laughs> so I, I fought with everything i had and um i did my absolute best for my country yeah so one of the things about individual sports where there's it's really the fastest person wins is i think you probably understand failure differently than everybody else you know a team sport it's different you're constantly going out there day in and day out whenever you're competing and just doing your absolute best success is just doing your best but how do you process failure and and turn it into an advantage or turn it into an opportunity to find something in it that makes you better for the next time defining failure. I mean, honestly, there are multiple aspects that can define failure. And as a human, you're probably aware of all of them. And they're probably all true. So I don't think, like, you could say I failed by not winning a medal and in the last five Olympics. And then you could say I was successful in being one of the best in the country. Um, and I find myself inspired and invigorated by the fact that I keep 
I'm competitive and I'm doing my best and I'm learning not just about sport, but about myself at the same time. So as an athlete, I tried to be well-rounded and really grow as a person. And that's how I define success. Um, and the moments that I've faced failure, I've grown the most and I learn the most. I, I do when I win as well, but then that kind of negates winning and losing in itself. Anytime you face a challenge, I define success based on how much I learn and grow as a person, metal or not, because you could win a race and learn nothing, or you could lose and learn nothing. But are, are you progressing as a human being? Are you lifting up those around you? Are you discovering things in life that you didn't know existed by facing these challenges? And you don't have to be an athlete to do those things. I remember I was so hung up on status and winning and losing and put so much pressure on myself, my first junior world championships. And my father was picking me up to take me to the airport to go to Germany to compete. And I told him, I was like, this is my fourth week ever on a sled. And I'm competing with an Olympic champion, a European cup champion, other Olympic medalists. I don't deserve to be there. Like, I was like, I've been on a sled three weeks. <laughs> and, and he was like, let me tell you a story. My first at-bat at Yankee Stadium with Mickey Mantle in the outfield, I couldn't get my legs to stop shaking. And I kept stepping in and out of the batter's box. And I looked to the outfield at my, my idol, and I looked at the batter's box, and I realized every legend before me has to do the same thing. Whether or not it took you 10 years or three weeks to get into the batter's box, once you're in the batter's box, what are you going to do? Hit the ball. And I think baseball is a great analogy because those guys are constantly facing, a, a, they're against the odds. Like to get it, to be a good hitter, you're hitting one in three at-bats. So every time you step into that batter's box, the chances of you being successful aren't that high. But every time you step into the batter's box, are you believing you're capable? Are you doing your best? Are you looking at the task you have before you? Or are you putting all this other meaning behind it? Like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not experienced enough. Or like opposite, you could be like, I'm a legend. I should be crushing this. Like all of that is noise because all of us just have to do the same job. So getting through that point in your life where you're looking for the validation of like medals and things like that, and you kind of came to this new perspective, like how do you then show up for a race? Talk me through how you show up, how you think about it, and how you get like step up to the place where you start a race. I mean, this Olympics was probably one of the best I think I've performed. I wish that I had this mentality in 2010 or 2006 or even 2018, but I just submitted. I was like, this isn't that complicated. Like, I just need to throw down. Like, I just need to sled. Like, I know what to do. And I stopped putting pressure on trying to be perfect or any of the meaning. And I was like, I'm going to enjoy this because sledding is really fun. So I think that's the mentality I try to get into. I try to clear all the noise out and just do sport. Be right back after this short commercial break. One of the things I've been really checking out recently is Mantra Labs Rest Formula. It's a right before bedtime elixir that you take with either hot or cold water. Rest contains some science-backed ingredients that will help you fall asleep, relax, and stay asleep. Because you might get eight hours of sleep, but if you're waking up constantly through the night, it's not great sleep. And it's so important to get into that deep REM sleep and recover and get our bodies ready for the next day. Man, I have slept so well. I'm still getting seven to eight hours of sleep, so that's absolutely important, but I'm also getting deeper sleep. 
I have absolutely noticed a difference in how deep I sleep, how restful I feel. So if you're looking to maximize your sleep for recovery and just state of mind, check out Mantra Labs' rest formula. Go to gomantralabs.com, use Mindset Forge to get 25% off all the products. And while you're there, check out Hydrate, Rise, Go, all of their products. They're fantastic stuff. Everything's science-backed. This is a local company, and I support them. They're doing an awesome job keeping people healthy. So check out gomantralabs.com and use Mindset Forge at checkout. All right, back to the show. Do you have anything that you do right before you start? No, just do it. Nike knows what they're talking about. (laughs) For anybody who's trying to like do something and get better at it, it's constantly the mind game of whether you're going to the gym every day and trying to get a little bit stronger. How do you challenge yourself? How do you care for yourself? How do you forgive yourself when things don't go well? You are an extreme example because you're an incredible athlete. You've been in the sport and doing multiple sports for 20 plus years. What is that thing that just like never lets you quit? Is that just a message from your dad or is that something that's always been inside of you? Like, where does that come from? Quitting's not an option. <laughs> like, it's probably why I need to retire. Part of me is like, dang, man, like trying to get an education, trying to have a security or stability is not an easy thing to do in the Olympic world. And it's so invigorating to compete with the best in the world. And as an athlete, you're like, and, and many people, like even my best friend Holcomb, we were like, we're lifers. We're going to do this till we can't because we love it. And it's that simple. But at the same time, like, could I have met my husband? Could I could I have a job and a life that's like more simple? So I don't know. I think that I try not to think too complicated about it all. Like all of those things exist and those pressures. But I keeping it simple and just when I minimize it to each task, I just try to accomplish it as best I can. And the competitiveness in me, I wouldn't define that by trying to be better than those around me, but trying to be my best. That's why sometimes solitaire is the most addicting thing or anything you're like, oh, I can do that better next time. Watch this, right? So like every time I approach, I'm excited to show what I'm capable of and what I've learned. Quitting never enters my mind. I'm always thinking about how do I do it better? Because that's the fun part. Even if I win, I'm like, okay, how do I do it better? (laughs) So hypothetically, your 18-year-old self shows up to the gym tomorrow and challenges you to a sprint. Who wins, first of all? Oh, probably the younger one. The 18-year-old? Okay. So she win, but what would would be your advice to 18-year-old Katie? Of course, I'm going to want to talk to her about losing my dad. When my dad died, that was devastating. And that pretty much changed the trajectory of my career. So I would tell her that no matter what, I have the tools to succeed and to remember that it's not about having anyone there because I'm capable. And the best way to move forward is to remember those things. I don't know if I would have listened. Like when you experience loss like that, I went into a a state of panic almost. Like I lost someone that was like a a huge foundation in my career, in my life. And I had to compete within that year in the Olympic Games. I guess I would tell myself to break up with my boyfriend. (laughs) At 18, that's usually a great idea. (laughs) Yeah. And just really focus on winning a medal, like by holding on to the things that make you strong. You know, that makes me think of is the, uh, the poem by Robert Frost, The Road Less Traveled. Everyone thinks that's a poem about independence, right? Or being different. But I think it's also a poem about regret. 
Because no matter what path you choose, you're going to think back like, what, what if I had chosen that other one? And I think the point of the poem is, is to do your best in making decisions that are for you, that are true to you and having solace in that. So maybe that would have been the advice. Like no matter what path you choose, make sure it's for yourself and that will make everyone around you proud and it'll give you strength. And just like stepping into the batter's box, it doesn't matter how you get there. Just be okay with where you are now and fucking hit the ball. <laughs> yeah. What's the moment in your life, maybe after your dad passed, that really speaks of a, like a shift for you, mindset-wise, or just where you really stepped into something different? That's a long journey. It's hard to think back to then because it was so long ago. I mean, I always think of it, and it took a long time to like forgive myself because I always felt like guilty for competing when I, sh- I felt like I could have been home taking care of him, even though he told me he would rather have me compete. And then I just lost my best friend going into the 2018 games. Those things in itself, like when you you come into your mid thirties, you just start questioning life. Like, and what's the point, right? Like he was an Olympic champion, three-time Olympic medalist. He had everything going for him. And I was just like, why? Like, like, what am I doing? Like, is this worth it? And um, the aha moment I had was there's only so much you can do. And time has a cost and how are you going to spend it? How are you going to spend your time? And I can tell you that my dad and my best friend both would want me to spend that time happy and enjoying life because the things that like society puts pressure on you for like having a job, kids, a home, anything that gives you status, honestly, none of those things matter. Like, are you fulfilled in the things you're doing daily? Whether it's like taking care of yourself, taking care of your kids, but finding those things that like make you smile and make you feel good about life, that's really important. I think I started to realize that sometimes the environment I'm in can influence that. So finding the people that bring the good things out is really important. And that's tough saying, because in the Olympic world, it's the Hunger Games. You are competing for resources. You're competing, like it's an individual sport. My teammates are also my competitors. And we just went through a pretty tough qualification process where you know, it's really tempting. Athletes want to step on each other to get to the top. And I, I felt it was my responsibility to emphasize all those things I just said. Like, why are you here? Check in with yourself. Figure out what your motivation is. Like, what would make you motivated? Motivation is going to change. You know, as you age, you're going to have different motivations. But just check in and make sure that you're psyched for the day. You don't have to step on someone else to enjoy life or to accomplish your goals. You know, that you can actually inspire someone at the same time when you're competing with them. So I loved your answer. <laughs> you got some races coming up. But as you're kind of looking to that next chapter at what, some point, what's really like on your mind is like, man, I would love to go that direction. And why? Well, right now, I just want to find a home, like figure out where I want to live. So I'm applying to colleges. I, I'm going to apply to UT because I have a lot of family in Texas. So I love Texas. I guess I'm going to keep competing until I can't. Uh, my father was an advocate for athletes back in his heyday. Like he was a spokesperson for that law that states if you use an athlete's image, you have to pay them. I really wanna fight for athlete rights and I don't expect it to change for me, but I'm hoping that I can help change sport for the better. First, I'd like to finish my education, pursue that, and then I feel like the rest of it will kind of fall into place. Um, but yeah, I, I really wanna change change the sport for the better. And, and, and one of the reasons for that is I feel sport reflects society's values 
And if you think about it, it's a place that brings everyone together, no matter your political views, your race, all the things. We all want to watch sport. So it's a perfect place to pose questions that challenge our society's values. Katie's given so much to this sport and a sport that does not pay her, does not have the type of rewards and the type of validation you would get from being a professional baseball player, a professional basketball player, or even an Olympic swimmer. But she's put in the work and she's found ways to make it count again and again and again, and being at the highest level for so long. And her persistence and perseverance shine through here in, in the conversations that you had with me today. What did you get from this? What was the big takeaway for you? Think about that. I think for me, it's just understanding that like we have to love the day-to-day purpose of doing the thing we love. Yes, there will be opportunities to get validation, to get awards, to win things, maybe to achieve a goal that we have set out for ourselves. But we have to love the day-to-day because the day-to-day becomes the year-to-year, becomes the lifetime of sport, the lifetime of achieving something that we love so dearly, that's such a big part of us. And so I ask you, listening to this, lean into the day-to-day, the passion of showing up for yourself, for your passion, for your sport, and putting a little bit more into it so we can get 1% better. And I'm gonna throw out a challenge to you guys today. Those of you listening here, I'm gonna do a six-week challenge. Now, if you reach out to me on Instagram, at Brian or via my email or phone number, both of those in the show notes. I'm going to set up some parameters, and there's a reward if you hit that challenge. It's not a contest. Everybody can win. you got to hit some metrics. You're going to have a goal of weight loss, but the goal here is get focused. And I'm working with my guys at Mantra Labs to create a really great reward if you hit those metrics. I'll get you all the exact details when you reach out, but basically this is a six-week weight loss challenge really to help you just drop some body fat and get some momentum with some extra cardio, so with a little more help with nutrition. So reach out to me if you're interested in that. And last but not least, continue to listen, share these episodes with people that you know, just like you, are passionate about what they're doing. They want to level up. They want to get 1% better every single week. And my goal is to do that with these podcasts, with what I'm putting out there, that help you, myself, and everybody else out there get 1% better. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Forge podcast.